What? That's crazy. That's so crazy to me. Hi everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today on Earth to Joy podcast. I am your host, Christelle, and I hope you're having a lovely day today. I am super excited for this episode. I think it's my highly requested and longly awaited episode. It is my period episode and I'm really excited to dive deep into this. So I'm going to get started as soon as possible because I have a lot of information that I want to share and I might even need to break this up into parts because of all the information that I have. So if you are new to our space, then welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a planet-friendly podcast where I talk about my eco-friendly lifestyle and how you could adapt a more mindful and sustainable life as well. If you'd like to join me along my journey, I am by no means perfect or an expert, but happy for you to join me along the way anyways. And we're going to be focusing on all things periods today. And if you are a non-menstruating human, I really encourage you to stay in and be informed and educated on these things. Keep an open mind and know that one day all of this information will become useful to you. And if you'd like to hear more or see more of me, make sure you follow me on Instagram at naturaljoy.ca. And the podcast Instagram is earth2joypod. And if you'd like to see more frequent episodes, then let me know you're loving this podcast by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast, or share this episode on your social medias or with a friend or family member that may resonate with our conversation today. And I'm always happy to chat or take episode suggestions. So please reach out because I'd love to connect in a more personal way. Before I go deep into the period topic, I want to let you know that I am by no means asking anyone who menstruates to adapt a routine like mine. I am just very passionate and always sharing my personal experience with my period products and my routine. And I've had this routine for about four or five years now. So I really know the ins and outs of my own period. And you should know the ins and outs of your own period as well. And only do what's right for you and your body. I also don't want to give off the impression that we as menstruating humans need to pick up the slack from larger corporations for not doing their parts or that we're responsible for changing our habits and our planet when non-menstruating humans also have large effects and impacts on our planet. Personal and individual changes are always great to start, but we shouldn't lose sight in knowing that the systems we currently have in place are destroying our planet. And we need to rebuild new systems and products that prioritize us, the people, and our homes. I will also be going into detail on some parts of this episode. So if the thought of blood makes you wheezy, then just skip over those couple seconds and move on with the episode. Part one is very timid. It's only one part that I talk about period blood in detail. The part two version is going to be extensively about menstruating so that might be a little bit more skipping ahead through but I really encourage you to stay and one last thing that I wanted to mention was in this episode if I ever address menstruating humans as women I apologize I know that not all women and not only women experience menstrual cycles in this day and age but a lot of the history of periods are predominantly targeted towards women and hope you enjoy this episode I have the agenda lined up and it is jam packed with information and a lot of details. 
So I'm going to start off with the biology and the history of periods and uh, menstrual cycles. I also wanted to talk about the period blood benefits and the natural part of menstruating as well as period products and the impact it has in our planet. And then I wanted to talk about my low waste period routine and how I eased into it a few stories of how my periods used to look like and how they look like now, as well as some more information on the products that I use, how to use it and how to care for it and how to clean it, etc. I also really, really wanted to briefly talk about birth control and maybe that will spin off into a bigger episode if you guys want. Then leave off this topic altogether with a Q&A at the end. And I'm really hoping to provide you with as much information as possible and as easy to digest as possible because this is one of my favorite topics to talk about with every and anyone that I know in person. I honestly wish it was a topic of conversation that we could small talk about because it, it makes me so excited whenever anyone asks me about my period routine or whenever anyone mentions periods or menstrual cycles in general. I turn into like a little fucking kid because I love talking about this stuff and it's something that I really enjoy educating non-menstruating humans about because just because you don't have a menstrual cycle does not mean that you shouldn't be aware of it, be educated in it, and know the shit that's going on. Uh, whether it's to help you in the future for a partner that's menstruating, or if you ever have children who menstruate, this is great information and I hope you stick around to learn a little bit more. Before we get into the juicy stuff of the period products that I use and everything, I really wanted to take a step back and talk about the history and biology of menstrual cycles. I think it's a really big misconception that periods and the menstrual cycle is only for the period itself, but it's actually a cycle that has four different phases and the cycle itself lasts from 28 to 29 days depending on you and your body. But the first phase would be from day one to around day five or seven, which is typically when you are menstruating, you are on your period during this first phase. And in this period, you are basically shedding your uterus lining because the ovulated egg has not been conceived. There was no sperm attached and you are not actively making a fetus in your uterus right now. And then phase two is typically from day seven to 14-ish and it is called your follicular phase. And during this time, it is when you feel the most alive, when you feel like you are in the best mood of your life. It basically makes you feel like you're superhuman and your immune system is really, really strong during the follicular phase and you just feel very motivated during this phase. So if you want to ever learn something or if you want to start something new, it's always best to do it in your follicular phase because that's when your mind is the clearest and your hormones in your body are doing the best for you and making sure you're strong, rebuilding yourself after your period. And phase three is your ovulation phase. So this typically happens on day 14, 15, or 16. 
Typically during this phase, this is when you will become pregnant. This is when your eggs are the most fertile and when your body is basically in heat if we were wild animals. This is the time, this is the prime time if you want to get pregnant to get pregnant. Yeah, it's, that's, that's all I could say about that. If you don't want to get pregnant, then don't have sex during day 14, 15, or 16 of your period. And a little bit more on how to track that naturally in part two of this episode. So the last phase happens on average between day 16 through to day 28 or 29. And this phase is called the luteal phase. So this is naturally when your body starts to wind down and slows down their hormones, either preparing to shed the uterine lining if the egg wasn't fertilized or preparing to procreate and start to grow a fetus. And this is typically when premenstrual syndrome comes into play, which is PMS in the more common term. And this is when you probably feel the most moody, the crankiest, and that's because your hormones are a little bit imbalanced with your body trying to gear up for either preparing to procreate or to shed that uterine lining. And then after phase four, you start back to phase one, which is your period again. So again, this is a 28 day cycle that all menstruating humans go through on a constant monthly basis. Given, of course, that the egg was never successfully fertilized during the ovulation phase. I'll get into that in like a couple seconds, but I just wanted you to recognize the biology of menstrual cycles and to recognize that this happens to all mammals in the animal kingdom that we are a part of. Believe it or not, we are a part of nature. Just recognize that this is the reason for our lives on earth. This is how we procreate. I first learned about this in 2019 and then a couple months afterwards I went to Costa Rica and spent some time on a local farm and got to know beautiful beautiful souls and made me realize that it is it's really ingrained in us as part of the natural world and that's the fact that menstrual cycles are connected to the lunar phases of the fucking moon. I like I'm still blown away by that fact whenever I think about it because let me enlighten you on the comparisons between menstrual cycles and lunar phases because menstrual cycles are 28 to 29 days long and lunar phases on average are roughly 29 to 29.5 days long. Both have 12 to 13 cycles each year and usually if you're not on hormonal birth control you actually sync up to either the full moon or the new moon. And on top of that, if you are in constant communication with other menstruating humans, you can sync up your cycle with those other humans. What? That is crazy. I always knew that when me and my cousins spent a lot of time together during summer, for example, all of our periods would sync up. I knew that that would happen and that actually did happen in Costa Rica as well with all the women at the local farm. But it's just amazing to know that we can sync up with other humans, but also sync up with the moon in the sky. Ooh, if that doesn't give you power or if that doesn't empower you in any way, like, I, 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 it's just, it's such, I'm in awe. <laughs> and this isn't even my first time hearing it. 
But guess what? It actually goes deeper than that. My friend Hannah gave me a little bit more insight and there's two different cycles that we could sync up with to our moon. And this is naturally the most ideal phases. It's not like a be all end all white or black situation. Obviously, as our bodies are all different, your cycles and syncing with the moon are different as well. And if you're on hormonal birth control, that could also play a factor in you syncing up naturally with the lunar phase. But a white moon cycle is basically when ovulation happens during a full moon and your period happens during a new moon. And the red moon cycle is the opposite. So your period is during the full moon phase and your ovulation phase is during the new moon phase. Typically it changes from one or the other based off of your current energy and your current calling. But I thought that was really, really interesting. Last year I started to be mindful and recognize my body and the signals to let me know what phase I am in in my own menstrual cycle. And it's so cool to see that in the beginning of 2020, my body was ovulating during the full moon and I had my period typically around the new moon. I was definitely off by like three or four days, give or take. But this year in 2021 and the end of 2020, I am actually ovulating during the new moon and I have my periods during the full moon. So it's really cool to see that connection and to be able to track those. That's, ah, uh, that's such, ah, uh, I, if you needed any more evidence that we are so a part of the natural world, then I don't know. You need to go to a fucking scientist or something because that is all the evidence I need to ensure that we are 100% a part of the universe, a part of our natural world, and we fucking sync up with the moon in the sky. Why is this not a big deal? I, <laughs> I need to stop raving about this because I have so much more to talk about. So I want to move along before I get too in my feels about the moon <laughs> with history and cultural opinions about periods. So way, 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 way back in the day, like I'm talking ancient scriptures times, it was such a big taboo for women to talk about their menstrual cycles. And it was very rarely recorded in ancient scriptures because women's rights and opinions didn't exist at that time. And men thought that women that were bleeding once a month was a form of sorcery and they deemed it as evil. And they were very intimidated by the fact that women can bleed every month and still be alive. So upon doing a little bit of research, I looked into the cultural opinions on menstrual cycles back in the day and seeing the differences or the similarities between cultures. So I wanted to start off with my culture and the Philippines and I don't necessarily know the deep deep history of what my ancestors thought of menstrual cycles but there are a lot of superstitions tied to periods for Filipinos and one of the first things my mom told me when I got my first period was to bump my butt on the third step of the stairs until I'm all the way down to the ground. So you start up like the third step on your stairwell and then like 
keep bumping down until you hit the ground. You would basically only have your period for three days if you did it successfully. I tried to do it, I thought I did it, but my periods are still five to six days long. So, don't know how I went wrong there, but I did. It did truly work for my mom though. She only had it for three days. And another thing that my mom and grandma used to always say is that you're not allowed to take baths or showers during your period because it causes infertility and you won't be able to have kids in the future. And the reason for that is because you're basically washing away your life when you're showering on your period and you're letting like cold energy in from your vagina and causing your eggs to freeze. I just think that that's so funny and let me know if you have any family superstitions like that and let's move on. So in rural India, women weren't allowed to cook or water plants on their period up to four days after because people thought it was unclean and it would ruin the meals or crops. And ancient Mayans believed many different things about the menstrual cycle. They thought that it was strongly related to the moon, so they definitely knew. And they also strongly related menstrual cycles to sorcery, magic, and mysteries. So Mayan mythology believed it originated from the moon goddess disobeying the rules and air quotations slept with the sun god. And therefore women were kind of cursed with having the menstrual cycle each month because of this happening. Similar to the medieval times when they believed that God was punishing women for Eve's original sin and they basically just bled through their clothes because they had no products in the middle ages because men didn't see it as important and women didn't have the rights to basically think or create for themselves at that point. And the best way for women to mask the smells during that time would be to put herbs around their neck, around their waist, but there was no medication for pain. And keep in mind, this is when underwear used to be down to your fucking knees and dresses down to your ankles. Like, we're not talking about light layers here. We're talking about the Middle Ages. It's just crazy. It's crazy. There's so many other stories about how women are shamed for having periods and how some of them are not allowed to go to school because either they don't have the resources to upkeep with their menstrual cycle in school or it's just frowned upon to go to school during your bleeding phase, which is crazy. And I'm so, so, so grateful and fortunate to live in an area where I am allowed to go to school. I am still able to work during my periods because in some places that's still not allowed, which is bonkers. But in the 19th century, a German doctor thought it was really disgusting that women were soaking their clothes in their own blood for a week and they would wear that same thing for five to eight days in a row. So this German doctor thought of making a sanitary belt. This sanitary belt was made out of brass and nickel. This sanitary belt was made out of metal and women had to insert a reusable cloth in between the belt and their vagina in order for them to stop soaking their clothes that they wore on a daily basis constantly. I just want you to picture that really quickly. Think of the medieval times. Think of the Caucasian medieval times 
where we've learned that they didn't know how to bathe until they colonized India and, and North America and the indigenous people taught them how to sanitize and keep up a hygienic routine. Now think of all the women who had to bleed through all of their clothes because the men didn't listen to them or take their concerns seriously until this German doctor. And think of this German doctor being a man, not understanding the effort that we have to go through with bleeding every month and making a sanitary belt out of brass and nickel that women would need to sit on every day for a good five to seven days. What? But that was basically the very first pad. Obviously that wasn't the very, very first pad ever invented. Like in ancient Egyptian times, women used to collect like wood pulp or wool or cotton and use that to stick up their vagina to block the bleeding from happening all the time. So that was the start of period products, but this German doctor basically made it more accessible to a lot more people with the production of these sanitary belts. After that, in the 20th century, nurses began to use wood pulp bandages they found in hospitals as disposable pads, which eventually evolved into the first Kotex pad. So think of it as at the very, very beginning, us just bleeding through all of our clothes and having to put those clothes back on to upgrading to a metal sanitary belt where you have to put another cloth in between the belt and the vagina and then upgrading to using wood pulp bandages to be able to just throw out these pads after you've bled through them enough. That is such a crazy timeline that the women in our past generations had to go through for us to live in the period world we live today with menstrual cups, with reusable pads again, but something that I wanted to mention before we get into more discussion of period products is the benefits to period blood. Because the Mayans understood that menstrual cycles were forms of magic and mystery and they actually thought period blood was beneficial medicinally. So there's a few stories of people using the period blood for nutrients and it's crazy that us in our world and in our society think of period blood as gross and dirty and disgusting whereas for the ancient Mayans they saw it as magic and mystery and medicinal and the reason why they saw it as medicinal is because there are so many nutrients in our uterus lining. The fact that our uterine lining has the nutrients to procreate is crazy and the fact that we're shedding those nutrients and they're going directly into a toilet and being thrown out down the drain is crazy and it could be very beneficial if you keep an open mind so what i learned about my period blood is that it's very nutritional and some people actually do face masks with their period blood they literally take their diva cup take that warm blood and they distribute it on their face or wherever they need a little bit more attention on their skin. They let it sit until it's dried and then they shower. 
You could also paint with watercolors with it, which I really, really want to try. I think that's going to be one of my goals for this year is to be comfortable enough to use my period blood to use as watercolors for art because I think that is absolutely beautiful and very empowering as a woman to be able to create art and beautiful pieces from the nutrients that my body has created and made for me. Something I am actually comfortable with doing and it's mixing your period blood with water. So I typically do one part blood, like six parts water if not more, and use it as fertilizer. All the nutrients that you have in your body are also nutritional for plants and fruits and veggies. So in the summer, if you have a garden, you could definitely use your period blood as a fertilizer as long as you dilute it enough. I know that the first time I used my period blood as fertilizer, I wasn't really paying attention and I didn't do nearly enough research. I literally just dumped my Diva Cup into one of my plants. And since it was so concentrated, it didn't soak up into the soil and my dogs didn't eat it or anything. They were just very curious about that plant for a couple weeks because... So yeah, definitely dilute it and if you dilute it enough, your plants will thrive. I've seen it in the summer happen. The first plant that I poured the full concentrated period blood in is still living today. I've propagated it three different times so it has grandchildren. It's doing amazing. I highly recommend you trying this if you are comfortable with doing so. But as far as my pets and like the smell and the scent and everything, don't bother. Like they don't even recognize the scent in the plants. I don't smell anything on the plants and it's just fully nutritional and beneficial. And there's so much good in that little pack of blood that we have that we shouldn't let that go to waste and go down the drain into our toilet system. All right, I think I'm gonna leave off with that information for part one. Again, we talked about the biology of menstrual cycles, how they're connected to lunar phases, as well as some history and cultural background opinions, and some history on the products that we still use today. I will go more in depth on part two about what period products I use and how impactful it is to our environment and our planet, as well as how to use it. But I wanted to leave off this part with a little guided breathwork meditation for a few seconds before we end off. And I will see you back here tomorrow with part two. But until then, if you're able to close your eyes or take a step away from anything else you're paying attention to, I would love to take a moment to connect our energies together. Okay, we're gonna stand up tall. We're gonna wiggle out our limbs. We're gonna close our eyes if we can. And we're going to take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. Notice that we're all connected in this animal kingdom.
Take another deep breath in. Deep breath out. And I want you to rotate your neck if you can. Please don't do that if you're driving. Open your eyes if you haven't already. Wiggle your fingers and toes if you can. And I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you've learned something new today. I hope I've inspired you to see the world a little bit more planet friendly. And again, if you want to keep in touch, you could find me on Instagram at naturaljoy.ca. And if you'd like to make my day, please rate this five stars on Apple podcast. Until next time, I hope you're taking care of yourself, the ones you love, and your planet. Goodbye!